A patient comes into your office. He has been trying to lose weight for the last 10 years, and he's been trying everything. He's been trying the cleansing diets, and all of these supplements, and teas, and these herbal things. And in the year of 2020, he actually gained 25 pounds. How can you help him lose weight? Hi everyone, and welcome back to the Rick U Podcast with Jack, Daniel, and Gabe, where we keep you up to date on the latest research in clinical medicine. Today's article, titled, Once Weekly Semaglutide in Adults with Overweight or Obesity, printed February 10, 2021, just printed in the New England Journal of Medicine. So today we're actually going to talk about obesity um, and medication options for people with um, certain types of, um, you know, a weight loss resistant uh, obesity. <clears throat> so we all know that obesity is a chronic disease. Uh, it's a global public health challenge. Obesity can lead to things like insulin resistance, hypertension, and dyslipidemia. And it's associated with complications such as type 2 diabetes, cardiovascular disease, and non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. And it reduces life expectancy. So right there is why I love uh, things like medications for obesity, because I feel like most physicians aren't giving uh, medications for things like obesity, and yet it has so many implications for people's health. Um, And especially with uh, COVID-19, obese patients had higher rates of mortality and complications. So here's what we need to know for this article. They're talking about semaglutide, which is a glucagon-like peptide 1 analog that they found uh, that is already, I'm sorry, that's already approved for the treatment of diabetes up to one milligram uh, used once weekly. And what they found in that separate trial in these diabetic patients was that the patients on semaglutide were losing weight as a side effect. So they thought, what if they Um, increase the dose of semaglutide in non-diabetic obese patients and see if semaglutide caused a weight reduction for these obese patients. And one other uh, comparison that we need to know going into this article is another GLP-1 agonist, liraglutide, which is already approved for uh, weight loss at a lower dose. So liraglutide is a once-daily, lower-dosed, shorter-acting GLP-1 agonist, And this trial wants to determine if semaglutide, which is a longer-acting GLP-1 agonist, can induce weight loss in obese patients. So, Daniel, why don't you get us into uh, the mechanisms of actions of all these GLP-1 agonists and some side effects? So, as you said, it's a GLP-1 agonist. So, it attaches to the GLP-1 receptor. And basically, what sets it off is that when you eat, your intestines have these cells called L cells, in the small intestines, and when you eat, it gets re- released into your bloodstream. And its main effect is that it makes your pancreas secrete insulin. Um, and it also slows the gastric emptying because of that, and it makes glucagon reduced. And all of this basically makes you full, and it makes you not really want to eat anymore, and it helps with absorption of the food, and this is shown to help you lose, lose weight. Beautiful. So, Jack, could you please explain to us how the article was set up? Sure. So just to clarify on your point, so GLP 
just releases insulin. And so that's why it helps with, di- with type 2 diabetes and it makes you feel fuller faster. That's the main idea? Yes, yes. Okay, fine. So in this article, let's jump into this article. So this article is a double-blind trial. They enrolled 1,961 adults with a BMI of 30 or greater. And these patients did not have diabetes. They were randomly assigned in a 2 to 1 ratio for 68 weeks of treatment. So that's a pretty long trial, 68 weeks. What is that, about a year and some weeks? Yeah. Look at that math. And um, so it was once weekly sub-Q semaglutide at 2.4 milligrams versus a placebo. And they also had to have lifestyle intervention. So what was lifestyle intervention? It was uh, individual counseling every four weeks and helped them adhere to a reduced calorie diet. It was 500 calories deficit um, compared to the energy expenditure. And they also agreed to do physical activity with about 150 minutes per week of physical activity, such as walking. And that was encouraged. They kept a diary of their diet and their activity. So basically, this medication was given with some lifestyle intervention to help them. So both groups had all these um, therapy and guided weight loss and physical activity. Mm -hmm. Just one group got placebo and one group got this 2.4 milligrams of semaglutide once weekly for 68 68 weeks. weeks. Yeah, it's a long time. So... Uh, so what were some of the results? So let's delve into the results. So they found uh, a mean change in body weight from baseline uh, was negative 4.9% in the semaglutide group compared to negative 2.4%. So you have 14.9 close to 15 versus 2.4. So that's a huge difference on the mean mm-hmm. uh, change in body weight. And so the participants with that received semaglutide had also a greater improvement with their HbA1c, their fasting uh, plasma glucose, their CRP, which is a inflammation marker, fat and fasting lipid levels. And so, and they also reported a greater increase in physical functioning from the baseline. So not only did they have the physical numbers of the, you know, the weight loss, but they also had better lab numbers as well. And so with that, another point was that there was a greater reduction in waist circumference of minus 13.54 versus minus 4.13 centimeters centimeters oh. yeah of waist of waist circumference inches would you know that'd be pretty drastic <laughs> and so uh <laughs> decrease in weight decrease in uh waist circumference and so but the one one of the adverse effects which is uh could be an issue is that nausea and diarrhea were the most common adverse effects with semaglutide and uh they were typically transient mild to moderate in severity, and it mostly subsided with time. Um, however, there, are, there were participants in the semaglutide group that discontinued treatment because of the GI events. And so that is something to consider when giving semaglutide. How many, how many uh, people taking semaglutide had these adverse effects? So the people that left, the amount of people that left was uh, 4.5% in the semaglutide group versus 0.8%. In the mm-hmm. placebo so that, group. So that's something to consider when if you were to prescribe semaglutide, there could be serious uh, GI effects. It's, I don't think it's so it's so serious. You know, nausea and diarrhea is not such a big deal because you could always just stop it. Like, I personally don't think it's something to consider before you give it. 
it's something that you should tell your patient first. Mm -hmm. But then if they want to stop it, mm -hmm. it seems like... So also th these numbers were comparing semaglutide with versus a placebo. When the, but when they saw the liraglutide trial, it was actually comparable. So semaglutide versus liraglutide, semaglutide had similar adverse effects, but they also mm -hmm. had greater reduction because it was a longer acting GLP agonist. So if you're in liraglutide is approved for weight loss. So if you're going to give a weight loss medication, you might as well give semaglutide as opposed to liraglutide. And the only difference between semaglutide and liraglutide is semaglutide is just longer acting and you give it once weekly instead of once daily. So yeah, so that's a very big plus, this once weekly thing. So um, the biggest thing about, about trying to have weight loss is the consistency. And so Sometimes having a once weekly is better than having taking pills, you know, at, before you eat. Many medications for losing weight are taking it before meals. So you can take it three times a day. That's a long time. Just to clarify, this isn't a pill, though. It's no, an no, injection. No, this is an, an injection. Drug. But I'm saying compared to some people take fentermine and stuff like that for weight loss. And that's before you take it before meals. And so and that's hard to, mm -hmm. you know, stay, stay in compliant. Stay compliant. Mm hmm. So for medications, yeah. this does seem to have a, a decrease in waist circumference, and BMI, and just nausea and vomiting as an adverse event. So that, that's a little bit about the methods and the results of the study. I, I mean, I happen to not agree with your last point. I hope that's okay with you. Um, if you're taking a pill, I, th I think that if you take it every single day at the same time, you won't forget it. But if you take it once a week... There's, there's probably a very high chance that you Yeah, but we're talking about injections it. here. I understand. But I'm saying that's why this this is different. But if it was pills, like vitamin D, you're supposed to take it every month or something or every three months. Yeah. I mean, I, I personally can't imagine remembering think, to take other, that. Other than metformin, I think, a lot of the diabetes medication are injections, right? There's... All the, um, insulins, insulins, but, all the insulins, right? Yeah. So, so I actually, like I touched upon earlier, I love this article because... We give medications for any and every disease, um, and, but when it comes to obesity, it's just, oh, eat healthier, which people have to do, and, and be more physically active, which people have to do, but, but what about medication? You know, we're, we're so easy to give medication for so many different things. What about obesity, which has so many health implications? So I hope that this research um, could, could actually carry forward. And maybe physicians could really start more heavily prescribing medications for people who just can't seem to lose weight. I mean, we even send patients for surgery. Why would we send patients for surgery before trying medication? It's true. There's a huge stigma around obesity as opposed to because they think about so exactly, it. Exactly. That, that's exactly what I was going to say, right? For obesity, like let's say people think that it it's the person's job. As opposed to a heart attack, it's not under your control. So... Um, this stigma, you're correct, Gabe. So I think this this article could destigmatize obesity for it. Cool. Thank you all for listening to the RICU. Again, if you have any questions or comments, you could always reach out to us at theRICUteam at gmail.com or you could see us on Facebook and Twitter. Any complaints, always go to Gabe. And now for the pondering question of the day. If you get a vaccine... Should you be taking anti-inflammatory medications after it if you're not feeling well? To me, that would seem that you're sort of defeating the purpose. The whole point of getting a vaccine is to amount a proper immune response to it. So if you're going to try to block it, then in theory, the vaccine shouldn't be as effective as it would have been if you hadn't taken any of those anti-inflammatories. So what do you guys think? I know that Jack does not like this question. If you agree with him, you can send all of that information to Gabe. 
Otherwise, we'll see you next time on the Reiki.